Hi. Hi. <laughs> Happy summer. Happy summer. De- delighted with the heat wave. Delighted, actually. It's working in our favor here at Access. It really is, other than the fridge that we actually work in. But aside from that, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Open Access. Open Access is the podcast that looks at our industry and the trends that we operate in through the lens of our own agency. It does indeed. And as per usual, you've got the two amigos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tinny. I'm Amanda. And today we're talking about a slightly different topic. I think in the past we've talked about confidence in the workplace, we've talked about um, imposter syndrome, Um, through the lens of women in the workplace, Um, but today we're going to talk about hubris syndrome. Wow. I know. Cutting edge. I know, which is a leadership personality disorder. I mean, it's pretty harsh. Um, And essentially, it's the opposite of imposter syndrome. So it's about, this is essentially people who believe in their own self-importance and act as though different rules apply. And I think we've all met these types of people. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, working with them right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Amanda's not happy. <laughs> we'll get on to what that means in a second. <laughs> it's obviously not a good thing. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I mean, we're joking about it. Mm. And it is true. I think we've all, certainly in big agencies, I think there are times when you, you see elements of these people who definitely think they are self-important and will run around saying what they feel like and there are no consequences and while they may be very strict with you they can kind of do what they want right and that can be hugely demotivating and not cool oh absolutely what I did want to talk to you about is within this syndrome how what that means for us in terms of creativity sure It's a really interesting way to start this off because the syndrome is marked by people having such firm belief in their ideas that it's at the risk of any level of failure. And often it seems to be marked by uh, risk of attention to detail. And it's really interesting, Tinny, because for listeners, Tinny pulled off all of this research before this podcast because they are very well researched and prepared for. Amanda, um, don't give it away. I, I, I was hoping that everyone thought I just knew all this Well, stuff. that's true, and she does know a lot, um, including where to look for the signs and symptoms of hubris syndrome. And there was a study of leadership styles in government, and um, I, was, I was reading the hallmarks of it, and Donald Trump is the perfect example of what this is. It's this belief that you yeah. are the messiah, it's bombastic language, it's sloppiness at the risk of what... Um, at the risk of ruining whatever you're trying to convey and I think if that does apply to creative and this is a personality that we see sometimes in creative directors then you've got a real problem on your hands because the other thing is if if they feel impervious to any kind of criticism or interrogation then you're not going to get the best out of that point of view yeah, no I agree and actually in that research what is interesting is I mean it's also terrifying by the way because you sometimes also read character traits that aren't that dissimilar to your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> really eye-opening. Um, but one of the things that they talk about is one of the symptoms of, of hubris syndrome is unbridled intuition. Mm. And I think what is interesting there is so much about creativity is often is often a little bit of an intuitiveness about 
mm-hmm. about an audience or about what is engaging or what will elicit a reaction, um, which I think is is difficult. Um, and I think you know Amanda is also our creative lead at the agency. Um, and I th- and what I have noticed you starting to do more and more in our brainstorms is as it starts to we move into groups, Amanda will say, I'm stepping out. Right. And is that because you are worried about your impact? I I am. Not that I'm saying you have hubris in you. Oh, well, (laughs) fine, take the shots. (laughs) We're here now. No. Um, Luckily, I got that tip actually from bias training that I did here, um, which did say that often when somebody fairly senior is in the room, especially if they're coupled up with more junior people, there will be, uh, whether it's a bias, there will be a deferential way of thinking or a quietening of the room as they wait for me or a senior person to deliver the answer. Yeah. Um, but so I've tried to be quite mindful of that. Sorry, I just oh, no. over you. But, so for example, if I'm paired with you though, I will trust your intuition. Right. As a, because you're a leader and I think you have good judgment. Right. Which I, you know, I, which I wonder how this ties into kind of hubris syndrome if we're talking about creativity and we're talking about big brainstorms. Mm-hmm. If you've got a creative director who's leading it, mm-hmm. how do you, I don't know, get around that or even recognize it? Well, it's very true, and this I'm actually going to almost cheat and go back to this bias training because the number one message that they kept hitting home on this was just the the benefit of having diversity in any level of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So whilst there may be a creative director, and this is what I do think we do very well at Access, to guide the process, to lay out exactly how we're going to do it or what the problem is that we're trying to solve, and to steer the conversation or to ask the right questions of the group. Um, and then I think that creative director's job is to collate what comes back and then figure out what is the, the shit-hot route within that. And, and he or she can do that on his or her own, probably, outside of the group. But the brainstorm itself is the mining of those ideas. And I think we have seen, um, I know I have, and I, I think you'll probably agree, that we've been in brainstorms with people who have unbridled intuition and it is very much the world according to them and that is tricky because those people can be brilliantly clever and those insights can be so sharp but after a while you start to realize that they're coming from the same filter and over and over again and that can't be an ideal place to solve most problems unless we're only marketing to people who look just like that yeah Mm. and have that exact set of life experience which nobody has we've all been shaped I guess, I guess how do you know what is confidence, what is years of experience, oh and God. what is just hubris syndrome of someone yeah. who is dogmatically just following something? Because I think there are times when you have to put your foot down and be like, no, you're actually wrong. I know. And if we actually knew the answers to that question, I think that's the keys to the kingdom. Because so much of confidence, when you really talk to people who we perceive to be confident, they'll admit that it's an act, it's a bit fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. There's other confidence that is not well... Um, I don't mean to say well-earned, but if it does come from this standpoint of hubris syndrome or hubris, hubristic traits, then that's problematic. So it is kind of tricky to divine the line. And that's why I suppose one safeguard against it, and I'm going back to this, is just to make sure that when you are engaging in a creative process that is based on a nice blend of things. So intuition, huge part. And it's now very on trend. It's a, the needle has swung from data back to intuition and creative. Yeah. Um, and, and so I don't want to negate intuition, but you do have to have a certain amount of data. You have to have a certain amount of research before you engage in a creative process, and you definitely have to have an inkling of what your strategy is so that your creative 
falls in line with that. And I think if you have some process built around it, it can a little bit uh, protect you maybe from mm. a hubristic cowboy or girl. I mean, every idea is a good idea. Every idea is a good idea. But then sometimes they're not. Exactly. <laughs> She's got the characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the other side of it, I think we can, and I, as we should, look at this quite negatively, this syndrome. Mm-hmm. But the other, char- well, another characteristic of this syndrome is someone who has a broad vision. Uh-huh. They don't get like stuck into the weeds of things. They don't mm. actually know how they're going to implement it. <laughs> Brexit. Um, <laughs> but mm. is there a place for that? Because I think actually sometimes we can often get bogged down and well, how would this look like? What will it, what will be the, And I think from a PR perspective, we mm-hmm. often get stuck in that. Of we will pare down our big ideas into much smaller ones because we're like, oh, then we'll bring this journalist and then we'll do this thing. Yeah. And the idea has lost its it's excitement and the client is like, well, an ad agency came to me with a better idea. Exactly, and it was big and visual. Yeah. And, it, and, and those ideas don't go into, we will do this, this, and this. It's right. just an expression of the idea. So should we be a little bit more hubristic about this and really think about broad vision? I think broad vision is really important and I think it's important in leadership roles particularly. I think another thing, uh, this is a little bit speculative on my part, so don't, we'll have to get out the DSM for to, to validate. I also imagine these people are broad thinking, but then decisive at the same time mm. because they have such tremendous self-belief. Yes. And I think both of those things in leadership roles, and especially in creative leadership, are, are not bad traits to have. Mm. Um, especially if you've got a good team underneath you that will actually interrogate something and say, can we do it? You can't obviously just be, um, you know, we talked about the sloppiness that goes along yeah. with this personality trait. So you can't be sloppily saying ideas that just can't be done. Yeah. We'll make Parliament disappear. Um, although I guess that can be done with the right materials. Mirrors, Amanda. <laughs> I know. So let's not use that example. <laughs> but any anything else like that, or or if it's just an idea that it takes yeah. into no regard of brand guidelines or budget or yeah, any yeah. of those things, I think you do obviously have to have a team checking that, putting some reality into it, and having the confidence that they can do it. But I don't think it's bad to have some broad-mindedness at the top. I think the decisive thing is only good in terms of... of directing people and, and helping to not waste time and choosing routes, but I think uh, obviously when it comes to this hubristic situation, it's not great if you're making decisions based only on your own perception, which could be wildly off. <laughs> but that's where hopefully you've got a team that feels empowered enough to, to stand up for that. And in the typical ad agency model, you'll very often have a creative team and then an account team, and they will kind of duke that out together. I imagine they also hate each other. I always imagine <laughs> that they must too. Although I've seen it work so well yeah. in so many integrated things, but it's just such a different mindset. But also, how lovely is it to be creative and to be... Uh, yeah, like People really protect yeah. them from, oh, you know, the client feedback was this, but they loved it, it was great. Uh, there's such a, a separation of church and state on that that I really envy sometimes. Yeah. Um, something that I think is interesting about this syndrome is that it's actually an acquired personality change. Mm. It's not something that we're all like born with and it just comes out as right. more senior. You basically go through your life being a normal person and then all of a sudden become a monster by the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which having looked through the, the uh, traits, 
I can see happening to me. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the other things that's in there is diminished empathy. Mm. Which obviously makes this person sound like a monster. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. I do wonder if there is a... place for less empathy sometimes when we're in the creative process okay so that in terms of challenging ideas absolutely I have time and time again thought that we have fallen down sometimes by being too nice Mm. in the creative process by not challenging enough by not saying this whole there's no bad idea in a brainstorm sometimes they really are or you just recognize when you're in it that the, yeah. that somebody is riffing on something that is completely unrelated and as creative as it might be and you might want to hear it out because you could reapply it somewhere else it just is not relevant in that time frame um, I think we haven't been critical enough and we haven't even been critical enough sometimes after a loss based mm. on creative to say where did that fall down or, or what happened there and then I just think. But is there value learn. in that? Is there value in being like your ideas were shit? Think again. I, th- I think um, <laughs> no. There's no value in that. I think reframing it in terms of where was this idea off strategy? What was mm. the feedback? How did we interpret that? Where did we get it wrong? I think asking more general questions than why are you shit? <laughs> yeah. As I said, the more I read these. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need an intervention. Um, But do you think there is value in looking at some of the negative traits of leadership? Because I think so often we spend a long time talking about, oh, this is how to be a good leader, and this is what's excellent, and this is how this is why you're a great leader. But I think you can be a good leader in some respects and a bad leader in others. And Mm -hmm. what I fear about this syndrome is that I think all of us have a little bit of hubris. Mm-hmm. syndrome in us mm-hmm. and I think for a long time we've said that goes part and parcel with your personality or your leadership right. but this isn't necessarily a inherent personality disorder this is something you've learned or mm-hmm. discovered as an easy way out um, and so that we often see rewarded yeah there are many leaders who exhibit these traits. They don't necessarily have to have the syndrome, all you know, tick box all the symptoms, but they exhibit these traits and they are rewarded for them. And yeah. and I think what is so interesting is when this happens, you will often see that it is the junior, more irreverent people who are eye rolling and being like, "Oh my God, are you kidding me? I see through that." But then those people become those leaders because they grow up around it. They see that behavior. But to your other question, should we examine negative traits of leadership? Absolutely, because I think that it, this is really Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm. Listen to how we are like up in the theory today. <laughs> <laughs> but Dunning-Kruger holds that if you feel like everything is going right, you probably don't have the awareness to know what's going wrong. I, I really yeah. have just defined that terribly. But I think in leadership, if you are, uh, you know, even if you go to all the trainings and all the right classes and you think you're just ticking every box and doing everything marvelously, you're probably not a very good leader because it's such a daily up and down thing. Mm -hmm. And there are different situations that you react to, sometimes in really good form that you may not even recognize how well you dealt with something, or it could just be a total failure and you need to spend some time with that. And I, I, yeah, I think right now there has been. And I hate to use this word, there's been such a softening of management culture. Yeah, and And I'm not necessarily sure that it serves people. Is that diminished empathy, Amanda? And maybe it is (laughs) diminished empathy, oh my God. 
<laughs> Cindy and I both have to go away for a little while. <laughs> this will be our last <laughs> podcast as we seek therapy for hubris <laughs> syndrome. Um, no, but I, what I fear, well, first of all, I have a total belief in, in the ability to deliver feedback in a humane way. Yes, agree. And I even had an interaction yesterday with an employee who said that she wanted somebody to support her all the time. And I, I did say back, that's not always, um, that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. And somebody doesn't always have your best interest with unbridled support. This goes mm-hmm. back to yeah. using that word unbridled again. We learn mostly from things that don't go right more than we learn from things that are going right. So I think examining, talking about those things, pulling people up on things is not the worst thing if you can control the way that you deliver that message. Yeah. Do you think people who have hubris syndrome are able to control that message? That's a very good question. I uh, Probably not. It sounds like probably not. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I do imagine, I would imagine, if I think about people who I have, of course, just diagnosed with this based on <laughs> very little <laughs> reading, I feel like they're probably very polarizing. Um, not only just, I, I think people probably respond quite well to people who like them, probably love them and adore them, yeah. and people who don't probably hate them, but I bet they're, they're rather polar in their reactions to things, too, so that you might have one perfectly good interaction and then one that it just goes cattywampus. So, what are the symptoms of hubris syndrome, Amanda? Well, let me look at this handy little cheat sheet. Typically, we actually do ask these questions on the fly, but when we're dealing with something that is actually diagnostic, it's helpful to have this information. So I am, just so that you're all aware of the theater in the room, I have just put on my glasses academically and now turn to the research. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Let's see if we can spot any traits in Amanda as we go through. (laughs) Just painting pictures, storytelling. Um, okay, so it's a propensity to see the world as an arena in which a person can exercise his or her own power or seek glory. A predisposition. But doesn't every sorry? I'm oh just no, go oh, please. So, but doesn't everyone seek glory to a certain extent? Everyone wants to be successful. Yes, but I think glory is an interesting way of expressing that because you could I, you could want to be successful for different reasons that mm. you want life to be easy, uh, for the greater good. There are different ways in which that success could come, so it might not manifest as personal glory. Okay. Yes. Continue. Okay. Uh, Predisposition to take actions which seem likely to cast the individual in a good light, taken in part in order to enhance their image. That is a mouthful. And again, I mean, I know what they're saying here, and Mm -hmm. maybe it's just not written in the best way, but... No one is going to make decisions that cast themselves in a poor light other than me doing this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where these symptoms would say that's wrong because this person will be uh, will make decisions at, at risk of what at risk is of actually else, right. the right way. So it may reflect badly. And again, I would go back on this. When I read this, I, I can see Donald Trump in my head. Totally. Absolutely. So I think that's a good one to keep in mind is that I think, you know, he thought that that meeting with Putin was just the right thing to do in the moment, and then later was like, oh no, I misspoke. Um, The third one is the disproportionate concern with image and presentation, which Mm. is interesting in our own industry, which is very image and presentation-led. Yeah. A messianic way of talking and a tendency to exaltation in speech and manner. Those are, that's a, that's a good sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I like all the words in that sentence. Um... 
and identification with the nation or organization to the extent that they regard the outlook and interests of the two as identical. Hmm. I don't know if I totally understand. I really don't either. Cool. I hope that the next. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the next bullet is easier. This is okay. This is why I was referring to myself in the third person earlier. A tendency to speak of themselves in the third person or use the royal we. I mean, I think what is interesting about the syndrome is that this person or these people only ever think about themselves. Right. Absolutely. Success is not a team success. Success is a personal. I don't think any a team success would be classified as a personal success. Absolutely. And Tinny has perfectly teed up the next symptom, which is exaggerated self-belief that borders on a sense of omnipotence. And then also, and then the following one is excessive confidence in one's own judgment and the contempt for the advice or the criticism of others. So in the creative process, I think that is, That's it is that one. contempt that is a real killer. Yeah. Mm. But I definitely, I think if I'm honest, I spot that in myself. I yeah. guess I'm, like, sometimes I'm like, that's valid feedback, fine. Right. And other times I'm like, fundamentally disagree. You yeah. haven't understood. Oh, I agree 100%. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And that feedback can come internally or it can come from clients. Yeah. And it can be soul-destroying. And there have been nights where I've really gone home chewing on something all day at disagreement totally. about a creative idea where I really do feel hubristically in the right and yeah. have to kind of let it go. Yeah. And it's hard. I know exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you also said that there are times when you're open to ideas. And maybe it is, sometimes you have got to believe that your way is the right way. And then I think when you have a a different level of openness, it's because there might have been more confusion or less understanding in the brief. But sometimes people do nail it. And sometimes people will challenge something that's been nailed. Mm. And that's annoying. Yeah, it is. Amanda finds it annoying. Stop it. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) <laughs> I have a problem <laughs> oh, God. and then the next symptom is an unshakable belief that you would be vindicated in any court um, oh my god this is Donald Trump it really is because the next one is a loss of contact with reality yep restlessness recklessness and impulsiveness yep a tendency to allow this broad vision in their conviction uh, to obviate the need to consider other aspects of it, such as practicality, cost, and the possibility of unwanted outcomes. I mean, that is Brexit. It is. And then, oh, oh, and Tinny, again, the next one, incompetence in carrying out a policy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that we have um, identified, at least in the political sphere, people who have these traits but in the creative one again I think your bellwethers in that situation or your canaries in the coal mine are often junior staff because they come in a little bit unformed and they can call bullshit that Mm. the rest of us have been trained over time to eat up with a spoon I think that is an interesting point though Mm. that we are trained is it trained over time or are we just worn down and our senses are dulled uh, yeah, there could be so many reasons. It could be worn down. It could also just be uh, a tiredness that somebody is exalted time and time again, and to mm-hmm. go against that grain actually puts you in yeah. an awkward position. So sometimes it's like, okay, I'll just keep stum and applaud. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then, as you say, this is acquired. So maybe it's the longer you go and acquire some of these traits, then you start to identify with these people more. It's quite terrifying. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I thought that, you know, when I first read about the syndrome, these people were monsters. But then, mm. and, and obviously, 
there are elements in the the yeah. full 14 full symptoms that demonstrate some terrible behaviors but then there are things in there that i i see myself doing for better or worse mm-hmm. and there are elements of almost all of those that i'm like well in the right scenario well it's completely <laughs> and we could also go back and read all of these things and rewrite them in a more positive way that would yeah. make this look like a 14 traits of leadership yeah so that's what's fascinating about everything is it's two sides to every story I think what I find the most challenging about it, to your point, is that you could say these are the 14 mm-hmm. um, symptoms of good leadership, is that some of those characteristics like intuition or vision mm-hmm. or wider belief and confidence and all of those things, you do actually need to be a leader. You need an element of those. Oh, it's absolutely true. So how do you manage that I mean this is now turning into a therapy session because I think I have humans (laughs) (laughs) no they absolutely are and I I think the other thing is is not expecting any level of perfection from leadership or recognizing Mm, that these things will be they'll work in one scenario they may not work in another Um, you know what's interesting is another when when I'm looking at these symptoms the last one again to remind everybody is incompetence in carrying out a policy but there's a whole new wave of thinking right now that's like good leaders are not afraid to fail (laughs) fail harder you know failure is like a really big thing right now that people are pushing so uh, again you could slice this up 16,000 different ways I think there are places where you can't fail. You can't fail on running a PL. and yeah. <laughs> But I, we often do talk about creative, and we say we're taking a risk here, but if the client doesn't buy it, we don't want to work, work on the program or the idea that we have suggested. We're not going to be good at another more distilled one. Um, Until you have to think about that P&L. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very broadly thought of, Jimmy. Well done. <laughs> I mean, I think my biggest takeout here is that I actually do feel like we need some proper training on what is bad leadership. I think mm-hmm. we all think we know what it is, and to a certain extent we do, mm-hmm. but I often think that you only realise how bad your leadership is is when, I'm not saying this happens all the time, but for example, say you're hauled into HR, of like, well, that wasn't dealt with very well, or, you know, Amanda holds your touring, <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is when yeah. you're in that moment. I don't think we ever really think about how we spot the signs of maybe our personalities changing right. or the impact of our actions or just a lot of it like those things that together make a bad leader right we only ever talk about his if we train people to be a good leader they won't be a bad leader but i think you can be a bit of both oh absolutely might i recommend to you the film series horrible bosses <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, where they try to murder their boss? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that. Don't actually don't watch that film. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible comedy. Um, I, it's I really like that idea of trying to spot those things in yourself because we're really going to go full circle, full full circle now in this conversation. When there has been a softening of that feedback culture, yeah, you can elicit all the three hundred and sixty degree feedback that you like, but people very often don't say you are becoming a monster. I think that's yeah. a very dope. <laughs> and obviously, I said earlier that we could deliver feedback humanely, so we wouldn't say <laughs> it necessarily that bluntly, but to, to call somebody out. And the other thing is real-time feedback. Yeah. People aren't actually telling you when you do something in the moment, and then mm. you receive that at a different time, you may not be able to understand it. Yeah. So I just think we need to work a little harder at that. 
And I, uh, you know, this is going to be very self-aggrandizing. I think, again, at Access, we do a good job of that. I hear feedback, not everyone and not always, but I hear feedback being delivered in, that is punchy. And if you're listening, you very much understand the gist of it. Um, but it's, it, you know, not, no one's insulting anybody. No one's doing anything that's fundamentally unfair. No. Even in rather hot-headed situations, I find that the content is still yeah. valid. There's no name-calling. No. Yet. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I think it's such a it's such a tricky area because I don't well, I certainly didn't get into my career with a view to becoming a leader. Mm. It's like one of those things like being a line manager, it's one it's of those things true. that is just like thrust upon you whilst you're doing your day job. Mm-hmm. And while you do have training of how to be a good leader and do things in a certain way. You don't really get taught about any of the pitfalls or things to watch out for or, you know, personality changes mm-hmm. that may happen in you and or expectations. And I think I have certainly found it challenging in my career. Mm. Now that I'm a monster, I can <laughs> I can really see that. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing about leadership in general, there's a perception, and I would also say that there is a reality piece to this, that leaders emerge and not everybody wants to be a leader yeah. and that's no I bad agree. thing there are plenty of people who aren't in leadership positions who really keep things chugging along and leaders couldn't be leaders without them so i guess everybody feeds into that um but i think the perception that leaders emerge and are just these exceptionally mm-hmm. gifted people prevents maybe some of this lnd that you're yeah. talking about um about really recognizing the traits along the way there is also, very, and, and this could be another podcast because I don't have the research in front of me, there's also a trajectory of leadership itself and, and how mm-hmm. that works within an organization because leader, even good leaders then become tired and less motivational mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. So it's an ever-changing, evolving role, and it does require just a lot of self-examination, group examination, feedback. I have one Excellent last podcast. <laughs> Everything. I have one last question for mm. you, uh, which probably could be another podcast, um, but I'm very conscious of the time. Do you think leadership has the same, I want to say gravitas, as maybe it did before? And I'm asking this because we have a very young yeah. agency yeah. Um, who see leadership in a different way, I think. I think this is a consequence of the ridiculousness that has happened. I, th- I think there's so many things at play here. First of all, leadership in general is just being lampooned because we don't have good role models in this mm. area like we used to, yeah. quite frankly. And I know that sounds like something that a woman of my age would probably say, um, generally, generationally spoken, but there, there are not hugely motivating leadership examples that are put forward because we now know that bad news sells and yeah uh, you know there is this whole questioning of what truth is there's really a questioning of everything and you're right i just think young people are much less hierarchical in the way they approach things having said that we have some new team members who i feel really uh, this this i could be um I, i could be speaking to either side of this who i feel like kind of give us wide berth in what oh, yeah. feels like a respectful way but because might just be the thing yeah <laughs> because we're monsters we are monsters because Amanda right. and Tinny are monsters <laughs> and on that note yes. the monsters are going to say goodbye so thank you so much for 
listening. I'd love to hear um, your thoughts on leadership and bad leadership and good leadership and, and just the discussion. And, you know, if anyone recognises that they have hubris syndrome, I promise I won't call you out. Maybe. I hope. I'll edit it if I do. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye.